Thank you, worship team, for that. I don't think I could get up here and open God's Word if I didn't get to worship with you all first. Uh, We all need our hearts put in the right place before we open God's Word. Uh, That was the right place, so thank you. How are you all doing this week? Good? How was your week? Fantastic. I don't usually hear a fantastic. That's good. Usually when I ask the question, and especially when I answer the question, I hear, it was busy. My work was, my week was busy. There's no shortage of things to fill the day, and no shortage of days in the week to be filled. Um, We're always working hard to keep up with everything, and as hard as my life can be sometimes, and as hard as I'm sure your lives can be sometimes, I have specific people that I think of that I don't know how they do it. I work with one man who, um, he, he probably sleeps about three or four hours a night, and he works nonstop. He, he's the kind of person who could really use an administrative assistant, but he doesn't have one, and so he does all the work himself. Um, he, he works until three in the morning and then sleeps for a little while and drives back to work. Um, but then I have another friend who, this was a seminary buddy of mine who, um, right now, if I understand correctly, he's on staff at Dallas Seminary. He teaches. Uh, he is working on his PhD in Scotland. And he's also within the last year, taken on a church. He's their teaching pastor. I'm trying to keep up with him, but there's no way. There aren't enough hours in the day for me. And this idea of Sabbath that I hear about in seminary, this idea of rest that I read about in Scripture, it's almost a taunt to me. It's like, here, here's everything that there is to do, and by the way, you have to take a day off. By the way, you have to stop. Um, it's like trying to take on the week with one hand tied behind your back. So I've been very confused about this idea of rest, and I, I trust many of you are as well. What does the Bible say about when we should rest, how much we should rest? What is this Sabbath thing about? Um, well, Jesus speaks to this subject in Matthew chapter 12, and that's where we're going to turn today. Pardon me. <clears throat> And in Matthew 12, we're going to see three things. First of all, we're going to see the importance of the Sabbath. It's a very important thing. Second, we're going to see the heart of the Sabbath. So what's the heart, what's the purpose behind the Sabbath? And then lastly, we will see the work of the Sabbath. So beginning in verse 1, it says, At that time... Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God, and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? 
I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Continuing on, he went on from there, and he entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is God's word. We have here a situation where Jesus is walking through the grain fields. I don't know how often he walked through grain fields. It seems a little strange to go through a grain field. I imagine they had roads. They had invented those by now. But I think there's a little clue because the disciples were hungry. So they're on their way to the synagogue, Jesus and his disciples, and they decide to take a detour through a grain field. Now the Pharisees take issue with this, and maybe you do too, but for me, I take issue with it for a different reason. The first thing that jumps out at me is not the day of the week that it is, but why are the disciples stealing food? <laughs> Jesus, why? What? That's not theirs. It's actually interesting. There's a law back in, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in Deuteronomy. There's a law where God said, in the promised land, but with my people, if anyone's hungry, you can just glean, you can graze, no matter where you go. As long as you don't, like, take a basket and fill it up, you know, don't save any for later. But if you're hungry, if you're going through someone's vineyard, you can take a few grapes. This is what the community was like. They were to watch out for each other. They were looking out for one another's needs. And so what the disciples are doing here is is not a problem. They're using the resources that God gave the community. So they're not worried about theft, and we shouldn't be either. God gave that food to them. But the Pharisees saw it, and they say, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So it's not the action, it's the time. And if you understand what goes on, what's behind this idea of the Sabbath, you'd understand that this is a big deal. In fact, if they were stealing, this might even be a bigger deal than the stealing. You see, God, when he created the universe, he created it in six days and set aside the seventh as holy. And when he called out the people of Israel, he said, you're going to observe a Sabbath rest. You're going to, because I've taken you out of the labor that you did in Egypt. Now you're going to rest in the promised land. This is going to be something that we do every week. Every week you stop. Every week you pause, every week you rest, because you're identifying with the God of creation, the God who rested. And to show you how serious it was to them, it wasn't just a matter of national identity. It carried with it the death penalty. 
You see, after they instituted this, a man walked out on the Sabbath to pick up sticks. And the community came together and they're like, can you pick up sticks on the Sabbath? We're supposed to be resting. We're supposed to not gather manna. You know, that's the whole point. We're not out doing work. So they go to the Lord and the Lord says, take him out back and stone him. Did you know picking up sticks was a sin? In that case, it was. It was an act of defiance. So they learned very quickly to take it very seriously when someone is breaking the Sabbath. God also said later on that part of the reason they were left, brought out into exile was because they were not observing their Sabbath. So that's what the prophets were holding them accountable to. One of the many things, you're not holding the Sabbath. We're going to give the land some rest because you have not been giving it rest as I commanded. So, for the Pharisees to pick on this, it's a legitimate issue. This is when, when they went back from exile, back into the promised land, Nehemiah had to lay down the law. You will not allow merchants here on the Sabbath. It's over and over throughout the story of Scripture. You see, the Sabbath comes up, and it's usually not good. There's not a good track record of keeping the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, their, their whole mission in life is to try and keep the law so that God will restore them in the land, to kick out the Romans and give them their independence. So when we might be forgiven for thinking, Sabbath, so what? They're thinking, this is why the Romans are here. This is why everything bad happens to us. It's because we don't observe the Sabbath, because we don't observe the law. And so the importance of the Sabbath, it's very deep, very profound. This is a life or death, a freedom or slavery kind of issue. It's not wrong for the Pharisees to be concerned with it. But look what Jesus says in response. And I think it's interesting. He doesn't respond with a yes or no answer. He responds with a couple of stories, a couple of examples. So first he says, haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? Now, maybe you haven't read that recently. This is actually in 1 Samuel 21, and we won't turn there, but I want you to know that's where we're talking about. 1 Samuel 21. And this is where David had just begun fleeing Saul. He's just left Jonathan. He's just learned, yes, my fears are true. Saul is trying to kill me. I'm going into hiding. And so the first stop he makes is to a priest. And he says, do you have any bread for the journey? And the priest says, well, no, no, I don't, but I want to help. And he doesn't know why David's running. David hides that from him. But he says, you know what? I do have some bread. It's the show bread. And the show bread was the, the 12 loaves of bread that sat in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle. They represented the 12 tribes. They were anointed with oil. And every Sabbath day, the priests baked new ones and set them there before the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and ate the rest. God gave the bread to the priests to eat. And so he says, well, you know, you're, he doesn't say this, but David's not a priest. His men are not priests. 
But this priest, who legitimately gets this food, gives what he has to David. And the only condition is they have to be ceremonially clean, which they were. And so, what you see in this example is, well, they weren't supposed to get that bread. That bread was reserved for someone else. But the priest had compassion on them. The priest gave them what they needed because they needed it. It was his to give, in a sense. So that's the first example. Here's an example of, of law-breaking that there was something bigger in play that overrode the rules in this case. The second example is a little broader. There's this one example where we broke the rules, but do you realize every Sabbath we break the rules? And he's talking about in their priestly system, God ordained the priests to give sacrifices constantly, but one in particular, maybe a couple, were to be offered every Sabbath. And so on Israel's day of rest, the priests keep working. And it's interesting, the word that Jesus uses there is profane. Just like that man picking up sticks profaned the Sabbath day, he treated it as something unholy. The priests, they do that every single week. They profane. The the religious leaders profane God's holy day. Why is that? Well, in this case, God commanded them to. Why did God command them to give sacrifices? It wasn't because God had a thing for dead animals and fire. It was to cover Israel's sin. It was an act of compassion for the community that God would provide for them even on this day of rest. They profane the Sabbath, but they're guiltless, and that's why. And he says to them, I tell you something far greater than the temple is here. Now we're moving beyond the stories into some principles. There are a couple of principles right here that Jesus gives us back to back to back that are very powerful, and they're the heart of this passage. Something greater than the temple is here. It used to be that you had to travel if you wanted the presence of God. It used to be you had to go to the one place that God had ordained for his presence to dwell. But now in Jesus Christ... God's presence dwells among us. Now God's presence walks through grain fields. Now God's presence is sitting next to you in the synagogue. Something greater than the temple is here. God has come to us. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I am the master of the Sabbath. This is my day. John 1 tells us how God created all things through the Son. All things are created through him. Nothing was made, with, that has been made apart from him. And that includes this day of rest. Jesus is the master of the day of rest. He is the master of rest itself. And if they understood who he was, they would have thought twice before speaking. Now this verse 7 here is the heart of the Sabbath. 
Jesus is saying, the heart of the Sabbath is not sacrifice. I know you think it is. The heart of the Sabbath is not what you give up, even though it feels like it sometimes. The heart of the Sabbath is not tying your hand behind your back. It's not making life more difficult for you. The heart of the Sabbath is compassion. God gave us a day of rest because you need rest. If you go back to creation, if you think about this, even though, like I said, the Pharisees were focused on this image of the Sabbath as a way to identify with God's work in bringing them out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. That's an emphasis on the redemptive kind of content of the Sabbath, what God did to redeem his people. But if you look back further, when the Sabbath was first created, when God rested, when that actual day of Sabbath was invented, when it was created, God didn't need rest. And we didn't need saving yet. This was before the fall. Even before that, we needed rest. We were already weak. God's compassion is not for our lostness. It's for our weakness. Apart from sin. Sin, yes, absolutely. But you, even on your best day, and me, even on my best day, we need rest. That's how God built us. God built us needing him, needing one another, needing rest. I don't know about you, but that's really hard to take sometimes. I used to think, and I often think this sometimes, before I did the study, I used to think that we were really bad at doing work. We only have to put in 40 hours, most of us, depending on the job. Some people have to work overtime, but the expectation is a 40-hour work week. In France, I guess it's even less than that, and it seems like they're just abundantly lazy. How could that be, that you could only work 40 hours a week? There's so much more we could do. And I I thought to myself, well, in history, I'm sure they worked harder. I'm sure they didn't have as much rest, as much downtime. They, They had to work harder to get their food. They had to work harder to go places. Everything was more difficult. So to me, we seem lazy. But that's actually not true. I mean, we might be lazy. That may be a separate issue. Point is to work when you're supposed to be working. That's important. Consider the ant you sluggard. We're not supposed to be lazy, but we are sometimes. But technology and the Industrial Revolution has made it possible for us to work anytime. You see, back in Jesus' day, You only had sunlight. Once the sun set, you're done. We're trapped by seasons. You know, it's getting colder outside. The the days are getting shorter. That would mean God would force us naturally to take more rest at this time of year. But we don't do that. Because as long as you have electricity and a cup of coffee, any day, any hour can be a productive hour. And once you can do it, the implication is maybe you should. 
You can stay up till three in the morning to work. Why wouldn't you? Don't you care about the work? These are the norms in our culture that end up playing on us. In medieval times, and I know some of you may have fonder thoughts of it than others, but apparently a hundred days out of their calendar, over a hundred days, were feast days, holidays. We just, I, I didn't get many mail yesterday. I, I don't know. Do they deliver on Veterans Day? There may be, what, a dozen post office holidays, bank holidays in America? Even if you rounded that up to 20, that's not even a fraction of what people in other cultures at other times who had less had off. We work ourselves to death. We don't understand rest. We, we see this idea of Sabbath and we say, well, but I've, I've, I've got to, got to do this. I've got to do that. If I just worked a little harder, if I just took on one more task, one more job, because I can, I must. That's not God's intention for you. His intention is that we work when we should work. But just because you can work at any time doesn't mean you should work at all times. He gave us this rest because he knew we needed it. Because the heart of the Sabbath is not sacrifice. The heart of the Sabbath is compassion. And so what some of you need to do this morning is to look at your calendar. Are you resting? One of the things that, after I read this and as I started preparing this, I started trying to sleep more. Some days it worked, some days it didn't. That's how bad I am. I have to focus my attention and my efforts to get six to seven hours of sleep at night. I'm in a bad place. Forget Sunday and Saturday and which day it's supposed to be off. Forget whether that day off is supposed to be for actual relaxation or relaxing in the Word and meditating on Christ and who He is. I don't rest anyway. Some of you are in the same place. Some of you need to cut some things out. Some of you need to rest. And you might feel guilty about that. I feel guilty about that. But God does not expect more than that. You're putting extra expectations that God has not given you. God knows you need rest. He knows your limitations. He knows your weaknesses. Some of you need to practice resting. Now, some of you might actually be very good at resting. Uh, Maybe rest is not your problem. Well, then for you, and really for the rest of us too, once we get the rest thing down, there's another thing that Jesus asks of us. And that's moving from the heart of the Sabbath to the work of the Sabbath. In these last few verses, beginning in verse 9. So they have their conversation out in the grain field. And now they're moving into the synagogue. And a man's there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees, even though Jesus has taken the time to explain to them why he treats the Sabbath this day, they're still there to accuse him. They're still trying to trap him. 
Here's a man, this is, this is a golden opportunity, they think. Well, here's a man with a need in the synagogue. Jesus loves healing people. I bet you we could trick him into healing this man. I bet you we could catch him working on the Sabbath. And it's interesting, in a parallel passage in John, Jesus says, my father is always working. My father doesn't rest, so don't expect me to rest either. But Jesus has tried. He has worked on them. He has explained himself over and over again to the Pharisees. And one thing that we have to catch about this, this verse, verse 7, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, that's a quote from Hosea 6.6. 6. And it's not the first time Jesus brought it to their attention. We usually think about Jesus clashing with the Pharisees. But this is, in Matthew, this is the only, the second time that they fought. This is only the second time that they've clashed. The first time was when Jesus is spending time with sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees, they don't confront Jesus this time. They're really good at roundabout things, you know. The disciples are doing something wrong. Hey, Jesus, what are your disciples doing? On this other passage, Jesus is hanging out with unlikable people, untoward people, and he says, hey, hey, disciples, what's your master doing? And Jesus, this is that famous passage where Jesus says to them, it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And he quotes to them Hosea 6.6, 6, and he says, go learn what this means. You're the masters of the law, you know scripture forward and backward, go figure out what this means, because I've told you already, through the prophet Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go figure that out. Then you'll understand why I'm hanging out with people that you wouldn't want to hang out with. Well, he says it here again. If you had only done your homework, you would have figured this out. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's pleading with them. He's reasoning with them. And he does it again when they go to accuse him. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus, again, doesn't give them yes. That's what I want to say. Yes! Of course it's good to heal on the Sabbath. He says, listen, some of you own sheep. Not you. Maybe some of you. I don't know if any of you own sheep. Do any of you own sheep? Okay. Some of you own pets, though. I'm sure of that. And think of it the same way. If you have compassion for an animal, if you have an animal around, you probably have compassion for them at some level. If they're in distress... You want to help them. I once had a boss who, I can't remember how much money he spent. It was thousands of dollars on chemotherapy for his dog. Um, He had compassion for his dog. More compassion maybe than I would have had if I were in his shoes. But this is a normal reaction. You have compassion for these animals entrusted to you. And he says, some of you have sheep. And being God, I have to wonder... Does he have a specific example in mind? How many of them who have sheep have actually run into this situation? He knows. He doesn't share it here. Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? So you understand compassion when it's sheep, when you're in the moment, when it's someone you care about. You'll break the Sabbath for that. That's good. 
But he says, how much more value is your fellow human being? They're there to trap this guy. They're not even concerned that there's a person with a need in the room. There's a person who's had trouble his whole life because of this withered hand. The Pharisees don't care at all. They see him as an excuse to trap Jesus. And Jesus says, hold on. This is a human being. This is someone who needs help. If you care about a sheep, if you care about an animal, that's not a bad thing. But how much more is it to care for one another? How much better is it? How much more value does a human being hold? If you think of it that way, that's a silly question. Silly is an understatement. He says it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he turns and he heals the man. He says, stretch out your hand. And the man stretches it out and it's restored. And what do the Pharisees do? Go outside to conspire to kill him. Interesting, they didn't ask the question, is it lawful to conspire on the Sabbath? (laughs) Seems like an oversight, perhaps. The heart of the Sabbath is compassion. The reason God gave us a day, not just Israel, but from creation, was because we need it. If you think about it, too, this is kind of funny. I've never thought about this before, but when was man created? What day of the week? Sixth day. So what was his first full day on this world like? It was a day of rest. He got created just in time to take a break. (laughs) Shows you God's priority there. The heart of the Sabbath is compassion, but... Because the heart of the Sabbath is compassion, sometimes there's work to be done on the Sabbath. And if compassion is what should drive us, then we should be willing to do what Jesus did, which is do good on the Sabbath. I don't know exactly how you'd quantify how much work it is for God to heal somebody. It doesn't cost him anything. He could do whatever he wants. The whole stretching out your hand thing, that was probably for show. He could have probably just snapped his fingers. He probably didn't even have to snap his fingers. There's no work for Jesus to heal anyone. Not because he's, you know, God. But it's work when we have to pull a sheep or an animal out of a pit. And it's work for us when other people come to us in need, needing compassion, needing help. And we should be willing no matter what day it is, to extend that compassion. Once we have received that rest, the next step is to invite others into that rest. If the heart of the Sabbath is compassion, then we should be people of compassion. It's more than just, I'm taking a day off to to identify with the God who took a day off at creation. I'm going to identify with a God of compassion by being a person who oozes mercy. What people, when they look at me, they see God's compassion. 
How much work is too much work to do on a day of rest if someone is in need? If you have that rest, if you're, if you're not struggling in this area of taking a break, good. Step two is someone in your life needs rest. Someone in your life, I almost guarantee it, because every one of us in this room has weaknesses. It's the way God created us. Someone in your life needs compassion. And the next work to do is to help meet that need, to be compassionate, to be loving, to do the work of the Sabbath, because the heart of the Sabbath is compassion. I'm not so good at this. I try, but I'm too busy. I I still have to work on the first problem, but that doesn't get me off the hook for the second one. If you find yourself in this place, maybe uh, a good analogy is to think about what they tell you on the airplane. If you've gone flying, you know, it's the oxygen masks go down. Make sure to put your oxygen mask on first before you try and help someone else. That's kind of this principle here. You know, you're not going to be able to help everyone else if you're not meeting that first need of of having that rest yourself. Um, So practice rest. And once you've practiced rest, practice doing good on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were not good at doing good on the Sabbath. They instead, they, they had this outward show of holding to the law, of maintaining the law, while they go in a back room and conspire to kill on the law. I think it's a perfect example of what we see in Isaiah chapter 1. And we will turn there. Isaiah chapter 1. This is what the Spirit says through the prophet in verse 13. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds and before my, from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This is the work of the Sabbath. He says, it's more important to me that you are correcting oppression, that you are bringing justice, that you are meeting the needs of those who can't help themselves, rather than going on with the Sabbath and mistreating people. If you have to choose between the two, God's very clear. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The sacrifices mean nothing if you are not a person of compassion. Each one of us has a lot of work to do. For some of us, the work is rest. 
For some of us, the work is compassion. For some of us, we need to receive God's compassion. For some of us, we need to extend it. And praise be to God, the the way that we can do that is because we have entered the rest. Because the Lord of the Sabbath went to the cross for us. You see, for hundreds of years, God expected the Jews to keep these laws. And when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he wasn't just saying the crucifixion's over. He's saying the work the Father has given me is done, and now the rest begins. And if you are in Christ this morning, you get that rest. That's the rest that we hope for. That's the rest that we enjoy. That's the only rest that will ever satisfy us. As Augustine said, so beautifully, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. If you're in Christ, even if you're bad at resting, even if you're bad at being compassionate, you can have rest from trying to please God, to trying to earn his favor. Christ has done the work, and we enjoy that rest. And now we, as his people, go forward to extend that rest to others. Let's pray. Oh, great God of compassion, God of love, God who seeks out sinners and tax collectors, people with withered hands, people who don't know how to take a break, God who sees me, who sees each of us. Thank you so much for the rest that you give us in Christ. Thank you that you observe our weaknesses and you don't reject us but that your heart for us is compassion. Help us to understand that. Help us to believe it. Help us to rest in it. Give us hearts of compassion that long to see others rest in you as well. Father, it is for your glory that we ask this in the name of the Son and by the Spirit. Amen.